Hi everybody, I'm Wendy Murdoch and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to learn something, chat with my friends, and keep myself entertained during this, what's turning out to be a lot longer than we thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're heading into winter, so probably I'll start doing some more webinars in the evening since it get dar gets darker earlier and people can join. Um, tonight my guest is once again Dr. Joyce Harmon, my dear friend, and she's uh, got a great topic to talk about. And so I'll just let Joyce just do a brief intro kind of on her background so you know where she's coming from in this topic, and then we're going to get right into it. So hi, Joyce. <laughs> hi, Wendy. <laughs> um, I'm, I've ha had my holistic veterinary practice in Flint Hill, Virginia now for 30 years, which is a very long time. And uh, over that time, evolved through many different um sort of or have added many different um subspecialties or interests to my repertoire from acupuncture chiropractic herbal medicine homeopathy and once it became legal hemp and cbd and it's a very amazing plant and we'll talk about all the different aspects of it tonight because it does so many different things. And uh, so about four years ago, I started working with some people, testing out the feeding of CBD to horses. And I've been feeding hemp in other forms, and we'll talk about those as we get going, but I've been feeding hemp for 25 years in the same kind of hemp that you can get in the grocery store. So it's a fascinating plant and there's 7,000 or more uses of the hemp plant, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. It can do everything from making ropes, which it was, it was kind of known for way, way back, to making paper, to making um, clothing, to making food, to making fuel. You can actually make biodiesel out of it. You can, um, you can make protein out of it. You can make incredibly durable clothing. Back in 1940, Henry Ford had a hemp, sort of hemp fiberglass type plastic car that was stronger than, I think it was supposed to be stronger than steel, wow. um, but it was certainly stronger than the fiberglass and plastic stuff they use nowadays. And, and like, some of the car- too. What was that? Lighter weight. It's lightweight and it's strong. And so if anybody's had a car repaired, um, I think you had some uh, conversation with a deer at one point, Wendy, and you go and have these plastic. Uh oh, you froze a little bit there, Joyce. The, um, <laughs> they get very expensive because they break so easily. Yeah. And the hemp plastic would uh, replace a lot of that. So what's and it's a totally renewable resource. What's the history of hemp? Like, where does the plant originate from? Um, you're stretching my historical knowledge, but um, I believe that it actually started out in, I think as a plant, it started maybe in the, in the, in the East, um, like, you know, your Mediterranean or something like that. But quite honestly, that I don't know okay. the actual origin. There are native, there are native hemp species that grow in parts of this country that, um, you know, people have said, oh yeah, when I was growing up, it used to grow through the ditches and we'd cut it down because it's a weed. And guess what? It's a weed and yeah. it will grow in many places. It's because it's been in use in this country for quite a long time previously, right? Yes, actually, Thomas Jefferson and, and all of those sort of our founding fathers, most of them or many of them were hemp farmers. And hemp, hemp was used as uh, to make rope for sailing ships probably three or four or 500 years ago. Hemp has been used in clothing. Hemp, hemp really helped found this country. 
as far as a farming, a commodity that did a lot of things because you could make your clothing out of it. You could make your ropes out of it. You could make so many things from it. I believe that one of the, I don't know that it's the constitution, but one of our documents I believe is written on even hemp paper, one of our original or early documents. So it's been recognized and it really is, it really is a way that farmers can make a living because it's so diverse. So how talking do you to use hemp as a, as a product? I mean, um, some of the some of the history starting after the 1940s, when they decided to prohibit the use of the marijuana side of hemp, was they they can't really tell the difference looking at it, and so they just ended up banning hemp across the board, marijuana and hemp. And maybe this is a good place to do a little definition of yeah. <laughs> what um, hemp is. So let's see if I can do it. I can set you up so you can screen share. Um, should be able to. Yep. Screen share here. Um, definitions and i'm just going to put this up as a as a screen share because um it just helps who can share yeah, because there's Only the um, and as i understand it too when we started getting into petroleum products and they started creating things like nylon and stuff like that they kind of pushed the hemp out of, of favor i guess is the way to put it Yes, and there is certainly, there are a lot of political things that have gone on in the history of hemp. It certainly can be a threat, considered a threat to the lumber industry because it's a renewable resource for making paper. It can be considered a threat to the petroleum industry because you can make fuel out of it. Um, it certainly it can make food and medicine. There's so many, there's so many potential, I don't know, con conflicts of interest in the sense that hemp is easy to grow. It doesn't require a lot of inputs in the form of fertilizer, in the form of, um, if you wanna grow industrial hemp to make rope out of, you can grow it in the toxic tobacco soil in Kentucky or, or um, North Carolina, which is parts of the country right now that are very depressed because the tobacco industry is kind of going away. And the hemp, there's a lot of, a lot of plants are not gonna grow in that soil. It's not very healthy soil. Hemp will grow in that soil and you can grow an industrial hemp that you can turn into so many things. You can turn it into cars, you can turn it into all these different kinds of products. So it, it can be seen as a threat to some of these large industries that want their products at the forefront. Yeah. So let's do a couple of definitions here of what we, what we have. So medicinal hemp, is grown to enhance the leaf and the bud part of the plant. So the leaf and the bud have high levels of CBD cannabinoids. We'll define these in just a minute. But the leaf and the bud have no omega-3 or omega-6 fatty acids. And many people know about hemp because if you go to the grocery store, you can buy hemp oil and you can buy hemp seeds to put in your smoothies and put on top of your yogurt. And even that was a little bit of a struggle 20 some odd years ago because maybe there might be a hair of a trace of CBD in there. And, and so there was some regulations around that 20, 25 years ago. And that's when I kind of got interested in feeding it to the horses. So the medicinal hemp is grown for the leaf and the bud it has high levels of cannabinoids, 
but no omega-3 or 6 fatty acids, okay? Industrial hemp or hemp, what is referred to as hemp, medicinal hemp can be referred to as marijuana or it can be referred to as uh, medicinal hemp or CBD without the THC. We have to define THC. I think that's either another slide or we'll do it on this slide. Okay. So industrial hemp is grown for its fiber and the fiber is the stuff that you make your ropes out of, you make your clothing out of, and that's the stems and it's grown for the seeds. And the seeds contain the food, the fats, and the, this good profile of essential fatty acids. So we have essential fatty acids, omega-3, omega-6, omega-9, and conjugated linoleic acid, which are all very nutritional um, omega-3s, uh, omegas, fatty acids that we need to add to our body. So hemp is defined as having very little in the way industrial hemp of CBD and a good fatty acid profile in the seeds. No CBD, yes, omega-3s. The cannabinoids, which we shortened to CBD because cannabinoid is way too hard to say. <laughs> yes. The cannabinoids, <laughs> the cannabinoids are the medicinally useful parts of the plant. And there are actually many cannabinoids, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And those are only in the leaf and the buds. So we go back to our medicinal hemp has cannabinoids and there are many different cannabinoids and we'll look at some of the different ones in a minute. Then we have this endocannabinoid system and that's the reason why this plant works as an herb on so many different systems. Many, many different herbs work on body parts but very few work on almost every body part. And the cannabinoids do because almost every body part has a receptor in this endocannabinoid system. So you take in cannabinoids and they can go to your brain, they can go to your heart, they can go to your joints, they can go to anywhere in your body, including your bones. And they are found in all mammals. So everything from your mouse to your elephant. And most all of your body systems. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more too. Hemp is also what's called a bioaccumulator. And this becomes important when you start talking about feeding it. So I remember I said it will grow in this to toxic old tobacco soil it accumulates those contaminants or toxins that are in the soil. They go into the plant, which is actually not a bad thing because you can actually clean up your soil. However, if you're going to use it for food, you don't want contaminants or toxins. So any, the, any food, any hemp that you're going to eat, whether it's a seed or whether it's a CBD product, you need to have organically grown hemp. That's a really important thing because it's such a good bioaccumulator. So you could actually, if you didn't pay attention to that, wind up taking uh, uh, some form of it and actually increase your toxic, toxic levels of certain things. Yeah, yes, and that's where that's where it gets really important to know where it's coming from because your food grade hemp, especially in the CBD world, it's a wild west. There is no, there are no controls at this stage. The FDA, it's legal to grow it. It is legal to sell it, but the FDA has not made any regulation, which means that anybody can sell it. And 
and you often will end up not only with it poorly grown or grown in toxic soil, but you may end up with it extracted with all kinds of chemicals. And that becomes a problem. Yeah. So if we, there's just a couple of slides here that, that again, going on with our definitions, these cannabinoids, there's a whole bunch of different ones. So we have CBD, and then we have a CBG, and a CBE, and a CBT, and those are being, yeah, and, and, and a hundred more. Oh. <laughs> those are being researched. Right now, we know a moderate amount about CBD, and yet it's still a small amount about what really is going to be known about this plant. We're finding out that CBG is a pretty cool one as well, and they're starting to grow plants that genetically are higher in CBG. So what's the G? These other ones. Uh, don't ask me to pronounce it. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a different cannabinoid. Yeah, they, there's a whole bunch of biochemistry here. I have to write it out, and I didn't, so. Okay, okay no problem. CBG. <laughs> um, and then notice this THC here. THC is another cannabinoid. The THC portion is the part that makes you high. So THC is a cannabinoid. THC has some very good properties as far as healing, as far as its use in cancer and its use in its immune system, but it makes you high. In the dog world, it's a really bad deal because dogs actually can die from an overdose of THC and they certainly can get very, very sick. Not too many people have fed it to the horses. We don't know if it has that same toxicity and we don't know how much we would have to feed. We certainly don't want to be riding a horse that's had a whole bunch of THC. Nope. I mean, that would be cats. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you know, giving a bunch of ace and then going... <laughs> yeah. Out and jumping big jumps or something. Right, so you have to be careful with cats. Um, cats with THC, they are not quite as sensitive to it as the dogs in the toxicity sense, but cats are also very, very sensitive to chemicals in general. Yeah. So we, we don't want to be feeding our cats the THC either, but the CBD works great in the cats. Um, so we're looking, if we're going to feed things medicinally, we're looking for plants right now that are high in the CBD and have some of these other cannabinoids present. And as in the, over the next five to 10 years, you're going to be able to buy plants that are optimized for all these different things. And they have different specialties within the body. So if you're looking for a brain thing, you'll get a brain formula. If you're looking for, and even now you can get a fair amount of that in detail. If you go to a dispensary where people are well-educated, you go to a, a store where you, you say, okay, I'm a stage four cancer patient. I don't care whether I'm high or not. I just don't want to hurt anymore. They're going to give you something that's going to probably be a little bit high in THC as well as high in some of these other things. But if you have to go to work and you might be drug tested, you'd better be certain that your product doesn't have any THC in it because that can cost you your job. And that's again, knowing where, where your, your, product is made and trusting your company because there are products that say no THC and uh, consumerlabs.com, which is an interesting place to go if you want to learn about your the products that you're buying off the shelf. Consumerlabs.com found that uh, last year a lot of products actually had above the legal limit of THC in them. Oops. That cost somebody their job. Yes. Oops. This year, their testing was better. There were far fewer products that had the THC in it. So those are the cannabinoids. The terpenes are the part of the plant, and they're in every herb. Every herb has terpenes, 
but they might have totally different terpenes than a, a cannabis plant. So terpenes are the aromatic part. They're the part that tastes and smells. And if you smell a plant growing, that's the terpenes. The cannabinoids don't have taste or smell. So if you have a plant where, or an extract where you can taste something that tastes herby, then you have some terpenes. In reality, we would like to use, I'm an herbalist, I would rather use an herbal, a whole, what we call kind of the entourage effect of the whole plant using the terpenes and these flavonoids, which are other compounds that are again in many, many different plants. They're just in different proportions. I want that entire effect of the plant. And so you get these isolated compounds. You can buy CBD all by itself as an, what's called an isolate. But I would prefer to have the balance of all the compounds or as many compounds as I can extract and put into a product. Okay. So when we start talking about, um, go back to, when we start talking about hemp nutritionally, we've got our hemp seeds, which are really good. I put them in my smoothie. And we can get out of the hemp seeds, we can get protein. And the protein is a much healthier type of of protein than our traditional soybean, genetically modified, processed, has everything useful extracted out of it and all you're left with is soy protein. If we can feed hemp protein, not only are we getting a fairly com complete plant protein, it's not 100% complete protein, but for a plant protein, it's, it is, um, very complete. We can get not only the protein part, we can get those omega-3 fatty acids and omega-6s and 9s in the CLA as a side benefit when we're feeding protein. So a lot of times we go to feed protein to our performance horses or our horses that are losing some weight or horses that we're trying to build a top line. And instead of feeding a balancer pellet, which is soybean meal, basically compressed into a pellet, we are feeding, we can feed hemp protein. It's a much, much, much healthier version of protein. And is that readily available in quantities for horses? Now it is. And, up until, up until recently, it was really very difficult to get because we weren't allowed to grow U.S. grown um, hemp. Right. So now we can. So I keep 10-pound um, bags of hemp protein and hemp seeds and gallons of hemp oil on my Harmony Equine website so that you can get you know, horse size containers. You don't want to go to the health food store and no. get, you know, a little bottle like this. <laughs> I know you try to like, the whole thing in the or this little tiny packet, you know, for 10 bucks. And by the time you, you know, that gives you about three days worth. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the um, hemp so yeah. seed and hemp protein, is the protein just been um, extracted from the seed or is that? It's, it's been ground and concentrated. Um, the exact process I'm not totally familiar with, but it's it's just basically concentrated straight from the seed. So somebody's wondering if the omegas in hemp are as good for horses or us as marine sources of omegas, um, such as she's currently using Kentucky Equine Research EQ3. Not sure if you're familiar with the product. Um, yeah, the the... The issue with the omega-3 availabilities varies between species. So the meat-eating critters amongst us, i.e. the humans, the dogs, and the cats, 
often actually do better with a fish based or, or a, a, a mammal based, which is usually fish in our case, or grass fed beef or something like that to get your omega-3s. And that has to do with an enzymatic pathway that's, that's it's much more direct for us to get our omega-3s from that um, animal source. But we can still get some of the benefit from the hemp oil. And hemp is actually, it's more complete because you have, the, you have this balance between omega-3, omega-6, omega-9, and the conjugated linoleic acid, which is not in any of the other common sources of omega-3. So our common sources are flaxseed, which is the least expensive, uh, chia seeds, which are very stable and, and make an excellent source of omega-3, and then hemp seeds. So hemp has this CLA, conjugated linoleic acid, that none of the other ones do. The, um, the fish sources, they do work in the horses, even though they are, horses are vegetarians. So many horses really don't care for the fish. And I'm not a big feeder of fish to horses because it's not a natural, it's not what they seek out, except for perhaps the Icelandics. I was gonna say. And the, the Icelandics come from a country where fish and fish meal and stuff is everywhere. And they come to, they come down sort of onto the big, the big continent down here. And we have terrible allergy problems. And I, I tend to think that some of that comes from the fact that we're not feeding them mm. their omega-3 immune system support that they would have gotten in their native country. And I don't know that that's absolutely true, but I know that, that they really do respond when we give them the omega-3s. Wow, it so kind of, it kind I tend been bred for so long on that in that environment. I mean, um, you do adapt to what's available, right? Right, and and the, yeah, they 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 were bred for centuries there, and that was part of their native diet. And our horses were bred for centuries nowhere near the ocean, right? Hmm. Interesting. So it's not wrong to feed it to your horses, to feed the fish oil. It's just not my preferred approach. And, and I got a sample of the fish oil when it first came out and they've done some research and it's, it is absorbed. That is not a problem. And my horse told me her opinion of it. And I, it sat on my steps for about three months after she absolutely refused to eat it. Until, and I think, I don't think any of the horses in the barn ate it. And uh, so it sat around for a while until I finally got rid of it because <laughs> there was no way, no way they were going to eat it. Yeah, they can be pretty opinionated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Wendy's horse, Al, has often lots of opinions about things that we put into his bucket. It's gotten better, though. Yes, yes, maturity. <laughs> uh, let's see, we got a little question here about the, the Icelandics actually eat fish. Yeah, actually they, they did, right? As far as I know, they get fed some fish meal. Yeah. And I'm I not an expert on it, but I, that's what I have heard. Yeah, um, or they used to at least. Yeah, it, it's... When you're up there, that is the perfect source of protein. And it's an environment where in the winter time, there's probably not that much to eat. So if there's cheap protein, that's a byproduct of making other human products, why not feed it to the livestock? Yep. Okay. So, so then, Did, um, 
I see a little question about dogs processing the omega-3s. Dogs process omega-3s quite well. It's just that usually they do a little bit better job from the animal source, the fish oil side, than they do from the plant sources. You'll see, the, you'll see a good, you know, nice looking coat when you feed the oils, the plant oils, but you don't get quite the same immune response and some of the same internal responses because you're not getting the same omega-3 that you would expect to be getting from feeding a teaspoon or a tablespoon of oil because they just don't convert it very well. So if we go on and talk then, that's the new kind of nutritional side of the hemp plant. And there's, there's various minerals and, and vitamins and stuff. It's a very nutritious seed. And remember, no CBD in that seed. We go over to the flower and bud side of things, and we have the medicinal cannabinoids that go and help out the endocannabinoid system. And so the CBD portion, when you take that out and concentrate it, there's two, two main extraction techniques that are done to extract that cannabinoid from the plant. There's two, there's two that are safe and healthy, and then there's probably a bunch that are fairly toxic. So it's an oil-based product. So solvents are used, even if you go to the grocery store and you buy soybean oil or corn oil, they extract that corn oil using solvents that are like benzene. They may not be using benzene exactly, but they're using a solvent. Wow that is not a very nice thing. And they, they dissolve the oil out and then they burn off or remove the benzene or the nasty stuff that is used. And then they put it in a bottle and we buy it. So that can be done and is done in China and in some of the inexpensive products that you'll see. So if you're going to get your CBD from the 7-Eleven store or the gas station that says CBD sold here and you go in and it's, you know, a $10 bottle of CBD, it's probably been extracted with something pretty nasty. Yeah. And you really don't want to ever be eating that. Well, so and you the, don't even the, know the quality of the plant, what kind of soil it was grown in. So you've got a double whammy. Yeah, and a triple whammy because it may have come from China or, and it may not even contain any CBD. You have no idea because you don't have any, um, right. what, we, what, what the good companies do is to put the certificate of analysis done by an independent laboratory on their websites. And the good companies, you can find the certificate of analysis and see exactly how much CBD, THC, everything that's in there and whether there's molds, whether there's toxins, all that kind of stuff should be available on a website. That's one way you know you're dealing with a company that is um, ethical and above board. So you'll have um, what's called carbon dioxide or CO2 extraction. And that's actually a fairly, it, we talk about carbon dioxide being a problem. The, the carbon dioxide extraction method is really quite environmentally friendly and produces an excellent, high quality, clean product at the end. And you can do an ethanol extraction if it's, if it's for a product you're going to eat, it should be an organic ethanol, and ethanol being alcohol. But, and that is also a very good way of doing it, as long as it's organic. If it's not organic, then you get back into the problem, because ethanol is a solvent. It'll dissolve all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
and if you know you've ever used it to clean things and um, clean your innards out or anything like that, uh, you know that alcohol or ethanol can be, um, it'll, it can pick up many other different compounds. So if it's not organic, you could have plastics in there, you could have all kinds of stuff. So you're looking for something that's organically grown, extracted using either ethanol or carbon dioxide. And in the horse world, the horses can actually, they can eat the plant material. The humans can also eat plant material, but they're not going to extract as much of the CBD out of it because we don't have a cecum to digest our um, to digest the fiber. But what we usually use for the horses is the extracted compound left on the leaf. So I've been working using that as my main way of feeding horses because it gives a nice dry powder. The CBD is concentrated on the outside of the leaves and the horses like it because it's got a plant type flavor and horses are herbivores. But you can also have it as an oil and you can, you can purchase CBD oils at many, many different places. Many of the health food stores are dealing with small companies that do a good job. But then you have to look at your concentrations and how much you actually want to be feeding because if you are buying something and the product is labeled as hemp extract, well, hemp oil, like you buy in the grocery store, is a hemp extract. Mm -hmm. So you'll sometimes find out that you have a thousand milligrams of hemp extract, but you only have 300 total milligrams of CBD. And so you might have, in order to get a full dose of CBD, you might have to give them a couple of cc's of this oil. So in the horse world, we found that a good base dose of high quality hemp is around 25 milligrams. And if you have a product that's not very concentrated, you might find you have to actually give five cc's of it. Well, you start taking five cc's out of a 30 cc bottle and the next thing you know, you have a weak supply. And uh, it's, it's not very concentrated. So you have to really look at your labels and again, kind of, you know, trusting your company and, uh, and knowing, you know, knowing where your product is coming from and knowing what your goals are. Some of the horses respond to very low doses, to half a dose or even less. Other horses respond or can, can take a lot more. It's a very flexible plant. Even with the seeds, you can feed, if you have a horse that's got really bad skin problems, you might wanna feed four ounces of seed twice a day for a while until you get that under control. And for a horse that just, you wanna put a little bit of a shinier coat on, you wanna just kind of support their immune system a little bit, you can give them two ounces, even one ounce twice a day so and have some effect. That kind of makes me start to go, okay, so there are different forms. And then of course you're gonna feed different amounts. Are there, and, and you hope to see a result. So are there specific things that the CBD or the plant are really good for in horses? Like what would be a reason why I would wanna feed this to my horse? That's a really, that's a really good question because the, the way that all the advertising is done, CBD is good for everything. And remember, we have an endocannabinoid system everywhere. So CBD actually can be good for many things. The most common things, though, that we're feeding it for is issues that involve the immune system. So our cancers, tumors, growths, um, some skin problems, and, and some gut problems. And there's actually some recent research that shows that um, 
that CBD itself has an effect on the microbiome. This is a, it was a human study, but that's the good gut bacteria. And we're actually finding that many herbs have a direct positive effect on the microbiome. And we think of probiotics as giving, you know, a good assistance to the microbiome. But now we're finding out that actually a lot of our plants, part of their healing is that they're he helping to heal the microbiome. Well, and so as I understand, it's not easy to shift the microbiome. No, it is not easy to really change the microbiome. And in a lot of cases, they feel like the microbiome that, that you have at birth or acquire at a young age is going to be what you have for a lifetime. Though I think that as we learn more about both herbal and the newer version of probiotics, which are soil-based probiotics, we actually may find we can change that microbiome more because we can certainly, using herbal and even homeopathic medicine, we can have a huge effect on the health of an animal or a human. So we have to be making some changes. Maybe we're not completely changing that profile totally, but we are affecting a change in the microbiome that is positive. So we are at the very earliest, earliest stage of understanding the interaction of everything. And some of the conventional research is certainly not looking at the herbal effects of, on the microbiome. So they're saying, well, the microbiome doesn't change, you know, or we give these lactobacillus probiotics, which actually don't live in the gut because it's most of the gut has soil-based probiotics. That's a whole nother webinar. Yeah. But um, the, the gut really has much more similar profile to what's outside in the dirt. So um, every day, <laughs> actually, yes, the least expensive method of getting your soil microbiome is to, is to take your carrots straight out of the ground and eat them. Oh. Take your carrots straight out of the ground and feed them to your horse and make yourself a little organic garden and really, really enhance your soil and then eat the plants straight out of the garden. Don't wash them. Feed them to your horse straight out of the garden. So they that will we be get much all healthier. those good little microbiome buddies that are on the veggies. Yes, yes, oh. don't wash your veggies. Uh -oh. Wash them if they come from the store, but don't wash them if they Come out of your if organic they, uh, garden that you know where the soil came from. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. So, so hemp has, CBD has the ability to make an effect on the microbiome. And so a lot of digestive issues are enhanced by um, feeding hemp, feeding CBD. You're definitely supporting the immune system. There's a large component of the endocannabinoid system in the brain. And so we have not only pain receptors that are in the brain, because there's a lot of anti-inflammatory effect for CBD. So anything that's uncomfortable, painful, arthritis, any kind of inflammation in the body is often helped with a CBD type product. And the omega-3s in the seeds also have some anti-inflammatory effect. But we also have more of an effect on the mind directly with the endocannabinoid system because the endocannabinoid system is actually the forgive and forget system. Hmm. So we have the fight and flight of which horses have flight usually quite well right. down. And then we have the forgive and forget system. That's the balance. Fight and flight, forgive and forget. 
The endocannabinoid system is the forgive and forget. So some of the great research is being done with PTSD in people. Well, how many horses have PTSD? Oh, a lot. I come across in various ways. It all the time. I mean, either abusive backgrounds or tough riding, or I mean, the list is endless of, of how horses can suffer mentally and emotionally. Even just being con kept confined is is a huge stress. And I have had some absolutely amazing results with horses with PTSD um, that that have completely changed their lives and. Wow. They've become calmer, much more manageable. And, and because of the effect on the brain and the potential effect as an anti-inflammatory, anybody who is competing, they are looking for you. So you cannot compete with CBD in the system. So they can test for it. Right now, they can test for it. It's a very easy compound because it's different. Ah, okay. And it, it, the CBD exists, cannabinoids exist in the hops plant um, and a couple of other plants, but not very many plants. And so horses are not going to be grazing and getting CBD into their system. So it's an easy compound to test for. What we have what we say in order to be safe is five to seven days out from competition, you need to stop. As more research, and there's three or four or five, six universities doing some research on CBD in animals, and I think three or four of those, um, there is some equine research going on. As that research gets solidified, we will understand more what the exact withdrawal time. It may only be three days, but the best thing to do right now is to be safe and right. go five to seven days. So, so somebody's asking, no, it's not worth it. so if, I, if, if I understand for horses, you can feed hemp and they will get the effects of CBD, or do you need to give them CBD specific products? Right. Okay. So you can feed the hemp seed, the hemp protein and the hemp oil from the seed, you will have somewhat of an anti-inflammatory effect. You will have a nice effect on the immune system from all your omega-3s. You will not have the effect of the cannabinoids. You will not have any effect on the endocannabinoid system at all. And I have seen advertising from companies that say, you know, we, you have to have industrial hemp, you know, that medicinal stuff all has THC in it. And they're trying to sell you a cheap product that doesn't probably have any CBD in it. The cannabinoids, because remember, we're growing two different parts of the plant here. We need the flowers and the buds to get CBD. And that uh, is, that goes to your endocannabinoid system. And then we have our seeds and then the fiber part, but we have our seeds with the omega-3 fatty acids, the conjugated linoleic acid and the protein and some vitamins and minerals. So no, you cannot get, you cannot feed hemp seeds and have the effect of CBD. Doesn't happen. Two different, totally different things. Are there mm -hmm. products that are completely have both the the buds, the seeds, and the um, leaves? So a lot, some companies will actually dilute their CBD in hemp oil. And other companies dilute their CBD in, usually in a, in a conjugate, in a, a coconut oil. Mm -hmm. Those are the two most common things. So you can put your CBD into hemp oil mm -hmm. off the grocery store shelf. Most of the time though, the amount of oil that you're actually gonna give, because most of your CBD products are gonna be concentrated and you're gonna give one, one cc, one mil, maybe one and a half cc's, maybe two cc's, but 
that's not very much hemp oil. If we're talking about a therapeutic dose of hemp oil being an ounce, a right. whole ounce, um, or two ounces even. So that's a carrier. It's not a therapeutic dose. Now you can add your CBD and some hemp oil to your horse's food for the two different effects. That's totally fine. Right. And, um, and in fact, that's what I'm doing with my horse currently. Yeah. Because she's getting the CBD powder and then I started her on some of the hemp oil. Okay. So that, explains, so the powder is where she's getting her CBD from. That's the same powder that Brad yes. makes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Humans yeah. have endocannabinoid system. No, he started uh, on the powder and that he used to have a very dark spot on his cheek and it completely disappeared after he started adding that to his smoothie. It was just astounding actually. Um, okay, so I've got to, so the hemp is good for general health, but the CBD would be for health concerns, question mark. Um, that, that you've mentioned, but it sounds like the CBD is also good for your endocannabinoids. So it's, it's not just because you have a problem, a cancer or a tumor or skin problem. It's that our brains are designed and our whole body, we have cannabinoid receptors mm -hmm. everywhere. So we're really designed to be, have cannabinoids. We are, we are meant to eat this plant. And, uh, but it, but that is a, that is a little bit of a good generalization in the sense that the seed side of it is part of your food nutrition as a, as a bulk ingredient, if you will. Whereas your CBD is a little bit more of a specific supplement ingredient. So you can think of the seed part as, you know, you're taking a handful of the seeds. You're actually taking a, a large quantity of seeds that, that sometimes has quite a bit of calories in it. But they happen that the omega-3s, people think, oh, well, then I can't feed it to my insulin-resistant horse. But actually, the omega-3s are really good for insulin-resistant horses, even though you feed them three or four ounces of it because it's got calories, it's got minerals, but it also, the omega-3s help the insulin resistance at the cellular level. The, the endocannabinoids are, the endocannabinoid system is fed by your more concentrated. So this is the big picture piece and the endocannabinoid is the concentrate. And you like usually- kind of sprinkling in there versus your- Okay, yeah, yes. Versus your meal that you're putting it on. Yeah. Right. So um, I've got a, two other questions here. Um, I'm gonna ask this one first though. So could the CBD be used on a PTSD horse similar to the SSRI like uh, Clomicon? I can't- Yeah, I don't know the drug name, but- it's yeah. yes. Um, in many cases, it will work as well or better because you're not going to have the side effects. And right. it the the research that's happening with the endocannabinoid system, they actually are defining something in people as an endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome, where we actually have not enough endocannabinoid function in the body, and they're still trying to determine how that's happening and why it's happening, but they have identified that it can happen. And so with the, with the drugs, you're trying to stop some piece of the chemical compound from either over or under acting. With the cannabinoids, you're going to balance that system out. You're going in there to actually balance it. And you can make changes that in many cases are permanent, even when you decrease your dose or, or even take, take them off of it. And there's, there's always the problem with the chemical that's trying to mimic a, a body chemistry because they have to alter it in some way to make it patentable or trademarkable or, you know, 
to to meet the requirements for a drug. Whereas when you're taking the a, a compound that we're meant to see, like a CBD that's just a plant compound, you're going to get the normal effects of that. It's like you know eating a big turkey dinner to relax you because you're getting all that tryptophan um, as opposed to trying yeah. to see Prozac. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yep. um, yes, and it's, it's and it's, oh, go ahead. The the drug the drug effect tends to be one thing that comes in, and our bodies are way more complicated than that. So we come and we hit one piece of the pathway, but what happens to the whole rest of that pathway? because you've, you've come in with, you've come in with a sledgehammer to that one part of the pathway, but there's a whole bunch of other layers and you come in with an herbal compound that's complex and that's going to work on all of that endocannabinoid system and rebalance the brain rather than, than come in with a sledgehammer and try to make it shut up. Yeah. Um, so somebody was asking that if horses are grazing, are they getting soil-based probiotics? Yes, if your soil is healthy. So how many people have really nice, organic, healthy soil out in their paddocks? Yeah, I know we struggle with that because all the topsoil was removed from those fields before you uh, purchased the property. Oh, yes. Topsoil was removed probably back in the early 1900s. Oh yeah, and uh, there's and it hasn't come back. Yeah. So that's that's the big problem, and a lot of fields have been chemically fertilized over the years, and the chemical fertilizer really trashes the soil probiotic system. Your organic soil, when you stick your hand in it, it's nice and loose. You can sometimes see the little white mycelium of the of the mushrooms that are assisting the whole organic process. You've got your, it just smells nice and rich. Go out in your paddock and dig up a bit of soil. It's not going to have that same effect. Yeah. Most soil of the is time. Fascinating. That's a whole nother topic and subject, I think at some point, but um, mm -hmm. it's the whole under the, under the surface of the, of the earth, what's going on there. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. There are literally tons of bacteria in an acre of soil. Healthy soil. Healthy soil. Measurable tons of invisible bacteria. Yeah. So, so all the more reason to get a little patch of soil that you know what, where it's come from and you've composted it and it doesn't have chemicals in it. And so you can go stick your hands in it. They actually talk about serotonin and, and working in the soil. You know me, I'm always out there in my garden. <laughs> um, that's my peaceful, happy place, um, probably because I'm just in with the soil and all the good bacteria. Yep. Yeah. And, and there's actually research that shows what that does for your brain. And um, I have on the website a product called Sow Your Seeds that is um, a, a set of plants that's durable enough to put into the pasture. And you can make little patches. It's not designed to reseed your pasture, but you can make little patches around that give your horses some herbs and, and some desire to, to eat something other than grasses. And that's one way to diversify a little bit but it's still, it is still your pasture soil. And if you can make that beautiful little organic patch and feed them pieces out of that, you will do more to enhance your microbiome than even just planting the seeds. Cool. Um, Ellen, uh, you have your hand raised, but if you can just pop your question in the chat or in the Q&A, it's a lot easier to manage uh, um, at this end. Oh, your hand went away. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, so we've, we've come to the end of the hour. So if you were to like kind of, let the moral of the story here is that if you're going to feed hemp seed or, or you wanna make sure it's of a high quality um, attention paid to how, like the, the seed, is the oil from the seed? Is that kind of, have I got that right? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. if they're going to basically yep. they just crush it and that's where they create the oil, right? That's kind of how it yes. works. Yeah. So you can feed the seed for oil or you can just feed the oil and that's going to give you your, yes. your rich complex omegas. And then your mm -hmm. little, bit of, little bit of spice is your CBD for your cannabinoid receptors. Um, and mm -hmm. then be, it, you don't have to have a good reason to take it just because we have receptors. So anybody can benefit from that. But it does have great effect on achy joints and um, various skin problems and things like that. Have I got it right? Yes, that's, that's, a, that's a good summary. And, and I've got a website called docshemp.com where you can get healthy CBD version of the, uh, of the plant. And the then I've got some of the docs hemp. D-O-C-S-H-E-M-P.com. And then there's some nice um, 10 pound bags of hemp protein and hemp seeds and, and hemp oil by the gallon on my Harmony Equine website. So you have some nice U.S.-based sources of organic hemp seeds and, uh, and hemp products to feed your horses. It's a super exciting plant, and it's, it's the kind of thing that it could really change, it could change the economies of many parts of the country that are not very economically viable. It can change the health of our animals. We can, we can add calories, we can add nutrients, and we can support this whole endocannabinoid system, which supports the health of so much of the body. So somebody just said that they have a customer that had an A1C level drop three points just by adding hemp oil. Yes. Yeah, so should that would be a human are insulin re resistant on our PPID horses beyond hemp then? Would that be a good thing for them? Yes. Yes. So hemp, now needs to start hemp, yeah. that your horse is on then, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hemp, hemp, flax, and, and chia all have the omega-3s, and the hemp has all those extra bits that we talked about. But it's really, really good for the insulin resistant. Um, and my OB formula and INR formulas that are on the website for insulin resistant horses, those are flax and hemp based. And we would have made them all hemp based, but the hemp is, is really difficult to grind up. So it needed the flax to sort of make it into a, a usable product. Awesome. Well, that, this has been really, uh, once again, very, very educational because I, you know, I mean, you talk about hemp all the time, but I, I really didn't get the difference before. And this has really clarified it for me. And now, but then the, when you started coming out with the CBGs and all those, I, I won't worry about them right now. <laughs> no, don't worry about those. Okay, good. No. Uh, good CDB and hemp oil. Seeds, flowers. Got it. Seeds and flowers. Yep. Um, well, hopefully, Barb, this has helped kind of clear this up for you. Um, because it certainly has cleared it up for me because I totally didn't get it before and everybody was talking about this stuff and I've been on CDB oil, but you know, I didn't know the differences and, and that sort of thing. So, so once again, Joyce, I've learned something that I, even though I've known you for 30 years, I learned something I didn't know, which is always great. Love having you on as a guest that way. Um, and I'm hopefully everybody that's been watching has learned something too. And just remember, you can, Oh, go ahead. One, one of the things that I thought I would do for this exact reason, because everybody is so confused about hemp, and we're all getting used to doing these Zoom things, is uh, over this winter is do some, I'm available to do some, this same sort of a talk about hemp, and I call it demystifying hemp, because it is demystifying it. And I can do that for horse clubs and, and things like that. And with the Zoom thing, it's actually in some ways kind of cool for some of the small groups of people who are way far away. You can you have the ability to have somebody come in and do, a, do an evening talk and demystify this. Awesome. So, so if somebody's watching this Zoom meeting 
or a Zoom webinar that I'm going to put up on my Surefoot Equine YouTube channel, how best uh, should they contact you to have a little, little demystifying talk in a Zoom group? How do they contact you? Um, they, they, can, they can email me through either website, theharmonyequine.com or docshemp.com, and uh, any, any of the emails will get through. Awesome. Well, I think that's great because I think a lot of people are as confused as I have been. Um, and and um, this has just been super helpful. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, thanks a thanks lot. For um, coming thank out you everybody tonight. for tuning in. I'm going to go have my dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> and a little CBD before you go to bed. Yep, I will. <laughs> All right, and uh, tune in tomorrow. You know, I'm not doing the scheduling so much anymore, so now I don't remember who my, hang on, I gotta check and see who my guest is. Um, I've got Alex helping me now setting up the Zoom meetings, which has been really, really helpful, but it doesn't mean I know who my guests are coming up. So I, uh, I'm not as familiar and it's not pulling up. But anyway, I'm sure everybody's got a notice from the email that went out. Um, oh, it's Emma Loftus. Oh, this is going to be a really exciting one tomorrow night because she's going to talk about the sphenoid bone and its embryological connections, which I loved embryology in college. That was one of my favorite courses. So that'll be at six o'clock tomorrow night. Um, East, East Coast, we're, on, we're no longer on savings time. That got people a little confused in the UK because I didn't quite fix the hours, but now we're all off of daylight savings. So at least in the Northern Hemisphere. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks, Joyce, for, for coming back yet again. And um, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Wendy. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.